This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Joe Bouchard from Blois to Cult Fame and so many other things. His solo work has been fantastic. His latest is called American Rocker. It's a new album. You got to get this. And he's just constantly doing something. Joe is absolutely wonderful. And I could listen to his solo stuff. Everything you could imagine. Also, Deadly Kisses is a must get. And if you don't have that, you're missing out. Joe, how are you? I am great. The album is doing great. It's great to talk to you again. I can't remember the last time we talked, but... uh... Uh, we have talked before and, um, yeah, everything's great. You know, uh, getting a great response from the singles that I put out. Um, it's a, and I'm really happy with this, this album It's very positive, very upbeat. I figured, uh, you know, this is my pandemic project and, um, and, uh, I wanted to do something that was really positive and I think back at, to my uh, my my life, uh, back, especially back in the '70s when I was uh, on tour with a band that you know, yeah, <laughs> it was a great time. So I, I sort of condensed a lot of that feeling into this album. You know what I love about you and everyone that I talk to, and your name comes up. It always comes up that you're constantly moving, you're constantly doing something, and you're not living on your laurels or resting on your laurels. Uh, yeah. look, a lot of people well, would have dropped the mic after Blois to Cult and said, oh, I don't have to do another thing. Yeah. I could just tour under my name, whatever. But you're constantly putting out new well, music. You know, and I love that. I'm just having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having too much fun. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because when the lockdown happened, you know, I finally had time to sit down and say, well, what's really important to me, you know? And I started distilling some of the best parts of my long, illustrious career, 50-year career, and putting the best parts of it into this album. So uh, it seemed like a natural for me to, to do that. And... Um, it was a lot of fun all the way through, you know. By the way, Joe Bouchard is our very special guest, and you know him as a former member of Boys to Cult, and his latest, his latest, his newest album is American Rocker. You got to get this record. It just shows you what someone could constantly do if they put out music, and a lot of people don't. They just do the tours and so forth. We're dealing with all kinds of different things since, you got to figure, since COVID, and phone systems are the same. You'll hear a lot of my interviews where there's dogs barking in the background. It's just a whole well, different world we're living in, Joe, and we're getting used oh, to yeah, all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I certainly made the best of it, you know. It was a strange situation, you know. No live gigs really was driving me nuts, you know, 
because uh, I've been so used to, you know, going out and being a touring musician. And uh, when that dropped off, we did videos. We did videos. We did a, a video for all kinds of charities. There was a charity in France we did a video for. I would do videos with my brother, and he would do them in his part in his apartment. And then I would do mine in our little video studio here. And uh, we did a lot of projects like that. But in in the end, I, uh, I just decided that uh, it was time to do another album and, you know, try to do the best I could. This is the most me I've ever had on an album. It's, I wrote all the music, and uh, it just uh, was one of those uh, things that I had to get out there. You know, you say, I'm always working. Well, I love it. I, this, you, you don't have to work a day if you love what you do, you know. So uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Is there a lot of material that you've written and recorded that we've never heard or are we privy to, uh, well, to most of the things I, that you've written? I have written? lots of things that I've started, but um, this particular album, there was one, that one song, uh, Deadly Kisses, I had that for maybe 10 years. And then I finally figured it was time to, to, to finish that one. But everything else is all brand new, you know. Some of the ideas I've had for a long time, but uh, this one really felt felt like uh, um, I was starting with a fresh slate, you know, and uh, I, I hope that the fans and the people that buy the record or hear it wherever they hear it uh, will get that same feeling, you know, yeah, this is fresh and exciting. Listen, I always hear the previews and I always hear things, but I can tell everyone it is absolutely terrific and it is American rocker. It is yes. Joe's latest and look, if you can, before we let you go, and I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you, tell us anything yeah. else that you'd like to share with us. And before you go, make sure we get your social media sites, your websites, and again, anything that we haven't brought up here. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm on all uh, the Twitter, the Facebook, and the uh, Instagram. I don't really know what they do, but I'm there. <laughs> Joe. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, in fact, I just got in on Instagram, and I, I was looking for a thing called IGTV or something like that. They they took it out. They got rid of it, and they changed their whole format. So it's like i got to learn the whole thing over again. Anyway, you know how that crazy that can get, you know. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, but uh, you want to know my, something? Uh, my website is very simply joebouchard.com. Uh, it's got all the connections to everything and the whole story of uh, the thing. The lyrics, if, you, if you're looking for lyrics for uh, all the songs, the new songs, um, they're all on the website. Um, and uh, we're going out and I'm touring with my brother called the Bouchard Brothers. And we're going to Scotland, England, and France in August. Uh, and I'm playing with Dennis Dunaway in Blue Coop. We're doing a tour of Canada uh, in July. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, so I'm getting out there. I'm not a homebody 100%, but uh, things are getting, hopefully, getting back to normal. I'm knocking on wood as I say that. But, um, but uh, everything looks really great at the moment. 
Uh, listen, just terrific. Always wonderful hearing from you. And Blue Coop is just great. All the work oh, that yeah. you guys have done has just always been great. Yeah. Of course, Dennis, we know his work from Alice Cooper, and I've had him on many times. Joe, thanks for being oh, here. Yeah. Congratulations on the new album. Hey, it was my pleasure, and let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. American Rockers, the name of the album, everyone. Please, it's a must-get. The Bouchard Brothers, you know, Al has been on the show many times. Glory Cult is where their fame comes from. Folks that are listening out on the island, meaning Long Island, know these guys for forever. They're Long Island royalty. And if you think about it, the band had all the big hits. If you remember Black and Blue, that was the tour back after Ozzy had left Black Sabbath and Dio had joined Black Sabbath, there was a big, big tour, and it was a double headliner, and sometimes Blois to Cult would go on first, and the other time Sabbath would go on, and the Sabbath folks did it to ensure that there was going to be a big crowd there, and it was a big hit. It was a huge you know, stadium tour, and not stadium, uh, arena tour, and played the Garden. I saw it at the Garden. I saw it at Nassau Coliseum, and it just basically did you know, around the country, huge numbers, and they'd sell out places. But it was the two of them together. It was Blois, Cult, and Black Sabbath. So Black and Blue, they called it. And one of my first memories of Blois, Cult, I was a kid. I, I think I was 12 years, was I 12 years old or 13 years old? Fortunately, I had an older brother that my mother would trust to bring me to the concert. She shouldn't have, but uh, she, I'm just kidding. We uh, experienced rock very early in all of these shows, but Black and Blue is ingrained in my memory as a, just a great concert. And Joe Bouchard, watching him on the garden there and, and Coliseum stages was a big thing. And talking to him now, how many years later is this? That's 20, 40, 42 years later or whatever it is. Just uh, always nice to catch up with him. He's, uh, yeah, wonderful artist and guitarist and again, you know his work from Blue Coop as well. American Rocker is the latest. Joe Bouchard has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone. To breaking it down, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Father Constantine Lazarakis from the Greek Orthodox Church in Southampton is our very special guest. And and what a uh, what uh, unbelievable things they do for the community, and it just continues constantly. And uh, Father Constantine, this is the first time we're talking on air uh, together, and I'm just uh, honored to uh, to have this opportunity, and we're going to talk about the big event coming up, and everyone's got to attend. We'll be there. Everyone from the station will be there, and we'll be talking about it. Father Constantine, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Frank, thank you so much for that very warm and flattering welcome. Really, it's a great honor for us to be on the air with you. We're very grateful and um, just really wonderful to be talking. Thankful to the station and thankful to John Katsimatidis and to you. Thank you for having us on. You know, anytime and uh, what a great cause it is. Uh, and again, we're, we're talking about a big event here. Can you give us the rundown? Sure. So it's the Hamptons Greek Festival. Um, you know, our festival is such a wonderful place for families to gather 
um, to eat, to celebrate, to dance, to enjoy. Um, and there are so many wonderful things to be had at our festival. Um, it's all done by volunteers and all the money that we collect goes for the ministries of the church, educational programs, cultural programs, philanthropic initiatives. And it is really just a Herculean effort of love from the members of our church. Talking about homemade Greek food is not brought in from diners. This is not, you know, thawed and frozen from, you know, some warehouse somewhere. I'm talking about members of our church coming in with family recipes into our kitchen, preparing days and days at a time, um, using family recipes. It's a real deal Greek food, um, the stuff we grew up in in our households, and we offer that to the community. But it's not just a food. You know, we have live Greek music. We have a dance troupe, a, you know, a bunch of teenagers who learn the traditional folk dances of Greece and perform them for the community. We have an art exhibit. Um, we have a, a Greek import shop, vendors, carnival rides. It's crazy because what's so wonderful about it is there's really something at the festival for everybody. You know how I feel? It's almost like a uh, a coming out and almost an announcement that uh, that we've got a handle on COVID and we'd be foolish to think that it's over and all of that. But it's been two years without the festival and it just didn't seem right. Uh, but I think a lot of people have cabin fever and the fact that you're coming out and the event is, uh, is back on track, uh, to me, is a sense of normalcy that comes along with that. You know, it's 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 uh, it's funny that you raise that because it has it's been a two year hiatus. And I'm going to tell you, I grew up in a Greek Orthodox parish far from here out in the Rocky Mountains. But we had an annual festival. And when we were kids, I mean, we look forward to the Greek festival almost as much as we look forward to Christmas. I mean, our whole year revolved around this celebratory thing. And as I've been walking around Southampton and Riverhead and East Hampton and running into people, everybody's asking me, is the festival back? Is the festival back? Is the festival back? And it so warms my heart that people look forward to the festival like that. And it is such a huge source of happiness that we are getting back to normal, that we can have our festival. And that's emblematic of the fact that, you know, we're back. And yes, COVID, maybe things will never be exactly as they were before COVID. Um, and certainly it's something we still need to be careful about. You know, we always are concerned, especially for the elderly, for the vulnerable, but we're at a place in this pandemic where we we're back and we're back with strength and we're back with optimism and we're back with joy. And that's what we'll be celebrating at the Hamptons Greek Festival um, this July. If you're just joining us or if you're just turning on your radio a little late, you listen to the voice of, of, of Father Constantine Lazarakis, and he is from the uh, Greek Orthodox Church in Southampton. And, and they're back. The festival is back. And so many people are, are saying amen, and and again for for many different reasons. Uh, Father, I was just uh, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be on the uh, on the float, 
uh, for the WABC float in the Greek Independence Day parade. Not you know not too long ago, about two weeks ago. So and, great. And and it was uh, by the way maybe the warmer one of the warmer events. Not uncomfortably warm. It was very comfortable. God shined down on us. And uh, and, and I'll tell you, uh, it's the warmest one that I remember because I think most of them are usually in in March. You know. And, That's right. You know, somewhere around St. Pat- Patrick's Day, and, and it's there. But the one thing I, I have to say about the Greek people, and, and I'm I'm only Greek that one day a year, unfortunately, right? So I'm, uh, and, and I'll be Greek again this this time. But there's so much warmth in the in the people and the family, and you see the grandparents and the uh, and the children interaction. And and I know other communities uh, say that, but it really stands out in the Greek community. Well, you know what I have to say. First of all, you know you celebrated uh, together with us a hundred years of Greek independence, so we marked that centennial with a great deal of pride. Um, you know, and uh, the Greek people are an extraordinary people. Um, you know, uh, and one of the things that's extraordinary is exactly what you hit on. There's a Greek word called philoxenia which gets translated as hospitality, but hospitality really doesn't do it justice. Philoxenia means the love of the stranger. So we're taught from a very young age to be an embracing people, to have a place at your table for the guest, for the friend, for even the stranger. You know, so there's a lot of warmth in our families and there's a lot of love between us, but there's also a sense of an obligation to love our brothers and sisters, whoever they may be, wherever they may come from, whatever their background is, you know. And I do think at the festival this year and every year, that's one of the things that people find so attractive. Our festival has become the second largest event on the East End. Um, it's, it's open to the public. There's no admission. And I think that the reason people flock to the festival, it's not because the food is amazing, although the food is amazing. It's not because the music is great, because the music is great, but it's because of the love. I mean, people come and they just feel that hospitality, that warmth, that embracing vibe that is a hallmark of Greek culture. And the dancing is like no other. I mean, they're oh just wonderful. It's just and people just enjoying it and the smiles that come. Look, we, we got about a minute or two left and, and hopefully we can get you back uh, and, and do a little follow up on this because there's so much to talk about. But you mentioned the Rocky Mountains and growing up there in the Greek community. Uh, how much different is it? And, and again, it's it's not a rhetorical question because it, it, I don't know. But uh, the Greek community all over the, the country, uh, it has its ties and it has its feel. But how much different was it growing up in the Rocky Mountains in the Greek community than, than it is here in Southampton? Well, it's funny because in a lot of ways, I mean, there are a lot of things you could mark as differences, you know. Um, I mean, you know. In Utah, it's a a smaller community. It's not quite as ubiquitous. It's a very tight community. Everybody knows one another. But one of the amazing things about, you know, being Greek in America is that anywhere you go, once you find the Greeks, you feel at home. Because what we share is so much bigger than what might distinguish us, you know? So it's, it's, it's very, very interesting because I, as a kid, you know, I, I left home and I came first to Boston, then to New York, you know, I've traveled a little bit for various reasons throughout my life, but everywhere I've gone, I've always been at home among the Greeks and, uh, and the Greeks make everyone feel at home in their midst. 
I know so many people that will travel miles to to come to this event just to just to shake Father Alex's hands. And I and I kid you not. I mean, this is a man who's eaten with kings and queens and and presidents. And the legend Father Alex, I'm sure, will be have, have a prominent spot uh, in this uh, in this wonderful event. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Father Alex and Presidente have led the parish in the Hamptons for, gosh, gonna be going on five years now, and uh, they're my. I mean, they really have been mentors to me, and leaders for our community, and they, uh, you know, they lead with service, both of them, and um, I'm really, really grateful to them. Um, for all the love they've given us and everything they've done, not only for the Greek community, but for, you know, the Hamptons community, for the New York community, for, for the, for the country. And so, and yeah, Father Alex will definitely be at the festival. He's going to be, you know, celebrating with us, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, leading the charge. So we are grateful for them and, uh, really looking forward to being at the festival with them, um, you know, next month and that's July 14th through 17th, you know, so those are the dates of the festival and it is going to be extraordinary. Well, we will be talking about it quite a bit. Father Constantine, thank you very much for, for being here. Do you have a website or a social media site where we be <laughs> yeah, yeah, so with what you're doing? So you can see the, the, the festival information and the different ministries of the church at www.dormissionhamptons.com. Dot org, um, and you can follow us on uh, Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. If you just Google Greek Orthodox Church of Hamptons, you know all of those social media handles will come up. But for the most part, it's Dormition Hamptons is our handle on all of our social media. Father Constantine Lazarakis, thank you very much for being here. Frank, thank you so much. Really, so nice to be with you. Grateful. Uh, to be on the show and to talk with you and hope we, I hope we get to do it again soon. And we hope to see everyone there July 14th through the 17th and you could meet uh, Father Alex and, and Father Constantine in person there uh, there from the Greek Orthodox Church in, uh, in Southampton and Father Constantine, you can see him there all the time and uh, again I just thrilled to have him, thrilled to be part of it. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, a, a very talented lady. And she has uh, burst upon the, the scene, and you've seen her in so many things recently. But uh, really, um, if. If you want to tune into something that I think is uh, is wonderful, uh, the series, which is uh, already upon us, uh, is from Stars. It's called Gaslit, and Darby Camp plays the daughter of uh, of Julia Roberts' uh, character, and they they tackle the whole Watergate scandal uh, with um, 
uh, with Martha Mitchell and and Marty Mitchell is played by Darby Camp and thrilled to have you Darby how are you I'm doing great how are you doing uh, doing well. Uh, did you know much about Watergate prior to this role? But I, I think this is a very fascinating aspect of uh, of the Watergate scandal. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I didn't know too much about Watergate before I um, got the part, had the audition, but um, I knew my parents did, and so my dad um, had to fill me in a little bit on it. But um, it was super interesting to like hear about it. Yeah, and and it's really you know gaslighting has become a a phrase now that you know many people uh, use, and it wasn't used when I was a kid, but it came from you know a movie back in the '30s, uh, you know Gaslight with I think Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer, where uh, where the and this is just for the audience's sake, uh, where where you pretend or or you convince somebody that they're crazy and uh and and that they're imagining things and and so forth and basically that's what happened to to Martha Mitchell uh it's disturbing to to watch it uh on screen it's dist- disturbing to hear it about it in real life uh how did you uh how did you enjoy watching that happen to somebody uh as a uh, as a character in the uh in the uh, film in the uh, series it was honestly like a little heartbreaking to see that um, this was happening like right in front of me, but also to think about how it was happening in real life all those years ago and um, just kind of getting to like be in that environment when they were filming was just super like cool to like kind of, you know, when you walk into the set, it's like walking into a time warp and just feeling the energy of these talented actors and then watching it back and just realizing, wow, like this actually happened and, and like they really did a really amazing job portraying all of the emotion from what actually happened in real life. Is it too early in the process for you to realize what you've picked up or what you've learned from the others? And I'm sure like me and like everyone else, uh, when you're around veteran uh, people who do what you do, in this case acting, uh, you, you've got to pick up a lot and you have to learn at a re- very rapid pace. Uh, is it too early to know what you've learned from this process? I mean, no. Like, I, even just like being on set with these, you know, talented, amazing people, just like picking up on their um, professionalism and how they treat other people on set. And, you know, we're all on set, cast and crew equals. And so it's really important just to see how, you know, Julia Roberts, who's this, you know, iconic woman, how she treats everyone on set the same and with kindness. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I wonder... Uh, if there's anyone else, and sometimes there's an unsung hero uh, where you pick up more from this person, but is there anyone on, on this particular, in this particular cast who kind of took you under their wing, him or her took you under their wing to, uh, you know, teach you, to nurture you uh, uh, through the process like they, I imagine they would do with a lot of young actors and actresses. Was there any, anyone in particular who did that? Uh, yeah, um, Allison Tolman, who played Winnie, uh, Martha's best friend, she was super fun um, on set and really, really sweet. And she kind of, you know, like when we we had this super sweet scene together and I think it got cut, which made me so sad, but it was just super great to film because she really treated me like I was a colleague and that I wasn't a kid on set. So I really felt like 
a part of it and she was just super kind and um you know generous and just made me feel really special now, you're going to get treated like that more and more as as you get older. And again, it's it's very important for people. And actually, now that you've lived through it, you know, as as being a you know, you you started as a very young girl, and and that must seem like an eternity ago when when you did Big Little Lies. Um, that's that's a lot of years ago for for someone your age. Um, how much different does this feel? I, I mean, you, you've got to feel more adult as it as it goes along, and I mean that in the most respectful way. Um, but it is uh, it, it's kind of a graduation for you, right? Where you're not that little kid anymore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Gasa is such an adult, you know, TV show, and Marty is very mature for her age, and you know, being dragged around by her mom and having to be in these really um, adult, mature situations, and so kind of getting to play that character was like really interesting from you know like being Emily Elizabeth and Clifford the Big Red Dog and they're very different roles and I really like to have that range and I um I honestly like to do serious things which I feel like some people um like either or but like I kind of like doing the serious stuff but I also like doing the fun stuff but the serious stuff can actually be super fun well what Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. You're getting rave reviews for your work, and you're getting, you know, you were respected as a little kid, and now as a young woman, uh, you're getting there, and, and the, the future is very bright. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about Gaslit as we let you leave, but before we let you leave, if you can, uh, what, what's in your near future? Are there any roles you could tell us about? I, I know things are still up in the air a little bit with COVID, but do you have a... Uh, do you have a set schedule coming up after uh, after Gaslit? Is there uh, are there things that you're working on right now? There are a couple things that are up in the air that I can't really say, but um, there has been announced to Clifford too that we're going to film uh, somewhat soon. So I'm excited about that. Darby, before you go, can you uh, can you give us a website, a social media site, something to follow along uh, with what you're doing with your career? Yeah, um, on Instagram, my Instagram is Darby E. Camp, and it's the same on my TikTok as well. Darby, congratulations on all your work, and and you're doing just great things. Certainly, uh, Gaslit will be talking about this. Anything else you want to add, feel free. If not, thank you very much for being here, Darby. Okay, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Darby Camp, everyone, a wonderful actress, and she plays Julia Roberts, and Sean Penn's daughter in uh, in Gaslit, and she she's surrounded by a lot of talent. And uh, again, the the season premiered uh, a while ago, but it's uh, um, you know it's out there and they're and they're pushing it. Uh, Stars uh, has a has a hit on their hands uh, with this, and it's um, you know uh, listen, it's. Uh, it, it's gaslit, and the story. I, I know the story before, you know, before all of this. It's it's about Martha Mitchell, and uh, her husband um, was, uh, you know, key person, uh, obviously, in in the Watergate, uh, uh, in the Watergate scandal, and what they tried to do, and I mean everybody, uh, you know, John Mitchell is uh, played by Sean Penn, but. Uh, she was made to think that she was going crazy and uh, to dis- uh, discredit her from being a-, a witness and really being able to blow the whole thing up. 
And it, it's interesting. I, you know, again, it's <laughs> when we're talking about uh, Watergate uh, and talking about spoiling, uh, you know, watch it or check it out for yourself, uh, you know, uh, rather than me go off memory and, and explain the Watergate situation. But uh, Martha Mitchell is uh, it, it really a heartbreaking, you know, Darby used the term heartbreaking, uh, a heartbreaking situation. I know people in real life that have been gaslit and it it is so disturbing that you know I, I know this one situation and and it's uh, somewhat prominent uh you know a prominent guy uh from what i understand now and it was somebody i had a friendship with from what i understand now was trying to convince his ex-wife to to commit suicide and you know some people listening know who i'm talking about and i'm not going to I'm not going to say any names because, you know, again, there's two sides to every story and, and I haven't asked him uh, about this. But but I mean, just think about that. Uh, you you hate someone so much and you want their story um, not to be told. And you're actually convincing like the mother of your children to try to kill herself. And it was kind of like, listen, I'll, I'll explain to the kids, you know, some people aren't right for this world. And and if you're in that much pain and. And you want to leave this world? Um, I'll I'll support you in doing that. I mean, he's trying to convince her. This is real life, right? Trying to convince his ex-wife, and I didn't know her from a hole in the wall, and but I I believe it from what I hear. Just a sick individual to do that. But I mean, it's, there's things like that, and I mean that's the extreme, of course. But uh, gaslighting is a is a real thing. People do it. Very sick people try to convince you or convince somebody that they're imagining things. And, and that was uh, certainly the case with uh, with Martha Mitchell. And she's the first person to publicly sound the alarm on Nixon's involvement, Nixon's involvement in Watergate. And she was uh, you know, married to Nixon's loyal attorney general, John Mitchell. And, and again, Sean Penn plays that role and be interesting. A lot of talent there. Julia Roberts, Sean Penn, Frank McKay signing off. Darby Camp. Um, actress playing Julia Roberts and Sean Penn's daughter has been our very special guest. Uh, Gaslit is the name of the series, and you can see that on Stars. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with someone who's, I'm sure, as excited as everyone else for this album to be finally out here. And it's the first new album in 10 years by The Fix. Cy Kernan is our very special guest, the front man and singer-songwriter extraordinaire. And if people have followed this band over the years, I know they'll be as excited as I am about every five seconds, which is out right now, out as we speak. And again, Cy, how are you? I'm doing very well. I always have fond memories of Long Island. Yeah. I used to have um, a recording studio in Douglaston, Queens. And uh, little known fact, but I wrote many fix songs in that town. 
No kidding. Oh, there's going to be a lot of people thrilled to hear you say that. I thought Long Island was one of the first real breaking points in America for the fix. And I remember when it was, you know, when people had to explain who the fix was. And like on LIR, was it? Or DRE? I think it was LIR. And they just, you exploded right after that. Yeah, do you remember? Yeah, there was a place called My Father's Place. Yep, in Roslyn. We did early shows back then, and that became a recording. So... We have a deep history with Long Island. In fact, I ended up, I bought a house out in Hamptons, lived there for a while. Um, just going up and down the LIE. Man, I sat in traffic a few days on that one. <laughs> it's called the world's largest parking lot, the LIE. And yes. uh, yeah, yes, I didn't know you had is. a place in the Hamptons. I didn't know you were this tied to Long Island. I don't know. That's nice. That's nice to know for us. I'm a Long Island guy. Very proud. You should be in our Hall of Fame if you lived here. Hey, great new album. You've got to be very excited about this. How long in the making? And don't say 10 years, right? How long has it seriously been in the making? Because it's terrific. Yeah, it wasn't 10 years. I would say you know, it was probably three, four years of hard graft. But the inspiration comes when it comes. And then we we overwrote, we wrote maybe about 30 songs and distilled it down to the 10 songs that are on this album. We were ready to go in 2020, but the pandemic cut those plans short. But here we are on the other side of all that with a hopeful message that we're back, still alive, and thrilled to be getting out on the road. You mentioned a studio in Douglaston. You know, I'm just curious as far as your methodology and how it's changed over the years. I mean, are you a Pro Tools guy? Do you have a Cubase? Do you have your own, you know, home situation when you wake up in the middle of the night, you just start recording? What do you do? What's your methodology and how much different is it than when you first started? Well, it really hasn't changed from the old day of having a Revox where you would just record your first mumblings in the morning. You have had another nightmare. I've got to document it. <laughs> um, I basically, I'll use just uh, the quick record on my phone to just snag me playing the, at the piano with an idea and the guitar. And that's as far as I'll take an idea for the fix to begin with, because I like to get their interpretation of my humble beginnings. And that's what makes a good fix song. That said, I do spend a lot of time working in Pro Tools and Logic developing things for my solo career and sometimes I will get carried away with a fixed tune but it always ends up getting stripped down and replaced with the guys because that's what a band is it's five heartbeats it's five opinions there's a democratic feel there's a sound that we all own and I think that's what's kept us um, together for so long that we have room for everyone and we know what it is to do it's like a fire flame candle. You know, I would say this, and I have said this recently in anticipation of talking to you and everything else. I would say this whether you were on the line or not. I've got to imagine that you're very proud of the career that you guys put together, the music that has come out, not just the body of work, but uh, you know your solo albums too. I've got to believe you're pretty happy with what you've produced over the years. Yeah, looking back, I think um, I'm very proud of it. I always feel that I always try and put something out that I wouldn't be embarrassed about in a year or two or at the end of the week. So that's always served me well. And as a band, that's always served us well. You know, there are some songs that but some people must go, what was I thinking when I wrote that 30, 40 years ago? But for us, 
we're sort of building on a theme and a lot of those subject matters are still around today and it's not like we're letting go you know if you write a song an activist song and that thing is still a problem why would you give up singing about it because it still needs to be said so we're just like the constant force of just bring people's attention to things that sometimes fall in the blind spot of humanity and you just need to kind of that's what music can do it can wake people up from a, a boring day we touched on logic pro tools and when i think of that i always think of lots of material is there a lot of your material either solo or with the fix that we haven't heard is there a lot of things we're going to find out about 10 years from now and again i know you've been particular about what you put out but how much of your music has not been heard by anybody yeah, there's a lot. In fact, I was commissioned by um, uh, Facebook a few years ago to write um, some songs for their sound collection, which are songs that are going to be used as backdrops for people's um, the watch program that they have for their television shows. So there's over 100 songs. If you go to the Facebook sound collection and type Psycone and you'll hear like a whole load of stuff in there. And also there's a lot of Jamie West Orham stuff in there too. So little secret treasure trove for your listeners. Well, listen, I want to congratulate you again. Yeah, not only on every five seconds, we'll be talking about it as we let you go, but just a wonderful career, something you can be proud of, and uh, no schlock there, just wonderful music, and you and the other guys, but I mean, your solo, I love your solo stuff as well. Can you give us anything we haven't touched on before you go, and definitely before you go, give us any social media sites or websites that you have, and we'll be pushing the album like crazy. Well, we're, we're, we're across the board on all the social media platforms, Amazon, you know, fix.com, Facebook, blah, 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 all that stuff. But what I would say is that since we last left, the, the room has become divided and the fix will hit the stage and reunite the room. That's what we do. We're like, want to be seen as radical moderates because there may be left, there may be right, but the pendulum swings through both on its way to both and it's that movement that keeps democracy alive if it sticks to one side or the other well history has told us what happened so we got to keep the pendulum swinging listen wonderful wonderful words and thrilled to finally talk to you Sai. thanks for being here thank you so much frank thanks for the plug man every five seconds everyone is upon us get this album listen to it Cy Kernan has been our very special guest. Fixed Frontman, wonderful solo stuff. I think he's got five solo albums. And he's one of those guys, you know, when you say artist, it's cliche, right? It's cliche to say a guy's an artist, but he is, right? Cy Kernan, I mean, he definitely is. He's very particular about what he puts out. And regardless of what your taste is, I think you could appreciate the quality that comes out of him. It'd be interesting to see a count of what he has that we haven't heard yet. And I always ask that question. You know, you hear Tupac music coming out all the time. It was prolific. And, you know, look, quality has a quantity all its own, or rather the other way around. Quantity has a quality all its own. And if you think about it, you're here as an artist, whether you're a musician, whether you're a, a painter, is to put out material and you know i know some people are like well you put it out only when it's it's right or it feels right 
there's also a lot of lazy artists out there, a lot of folks that just don't, they just don't release anything and they don't need to. They're just going off of some hits that they've had in the past and they'll just go over. They didn't need to release an album. In fact, it's probably more, it's riskier releasing an album because, you know, things don't sell the way they used to. It's not like, you know, you could expect gold records or platinum records. When you're putting out music, you're putting it out probably because you want to. You want to show. You want to be creative. I can't get over bands. I mean, in the rock genre, hard rock, metal, new wave, whatever. I can't get over artists that just stop and they just continue to play. And it's not a retirement, but they've almost retired from writing. The opposite of what the Beatles did, right? The Beatles retired from touring and they just got heavily into recording and writing and everything else and you know, turned into greatness. And I mean, absolute greatness. And just, I wonder why people who do it well stop writing, stop recording. Who knows? But Every Five Seconds is the name of the album. It sounds terrific to me. Everyone check it out. Fixed Frontman, Cy Kernan, has been our very special guest, and we'll get him next time for a longer period of time. But get the album. Every Five Seconds is its name. And Frank McKay signing off. Cy Kernan from The Fix, lead vocalist, singer, songwriter of the band The Fix, New Wave sensation in their day, and certainly everything that they've done recently is definitely worth a listen. Cy Kerning, everyone, has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. nail salon and grocery store wait she's at the nail salon and the grocery store i'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store groceries through instacart delivered to my door i don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store 